I am Alan Hops, and you are listening to Battles with Bits of Rubber. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Stuart Bray. It's just me today because Todd is still in China. He's been away there for a month. I'm in Texas. So uh, trying to schedule times to speak at the same time is pretty tricky. But uh, we do have this message from Todd because he was kind enough to get in touch and drop this message just to say hi. Check this out. Hey, Stuart. Hey, everybody. Ni hao and greetings from Guangzhou in South China. Uh, it's been an interesting month. I've been here for almost a month now, and I'm teaching a four-week character makeup class at a school here in China and having a ball. The students are great. Uh, we've got one more week to go. I'm heading off to Hong Kong in the morning, taking the bullet train down. I'm going to meet up with Josh Council, who's heading up the design team for the Halloween show at Ocean Park Theme Park. And ran into Nix Herrera here in Guangzhou last week. We've had dinner a couple of times and hanging out. He's doing a Halloween show at a park here in Guangzhou. So it's it's kind of fun being halfway around the planet and running into people you know. It's been long overdue getting a, another podcast done, and I'm ready to get back at it. I will be back in the States at the end of August and got to hit the ground running because my book delivery date is December 1st. So I've still got a ton of work to do on that, but I'm having fun and wanted to just check in with you guys and we'll talk soon. Ciao. So the subject of today's podcast is a guy called Alan Hops, and it's a very interesting uh, take on things. If you're a maker or somebody that you know actually makes things and gets your hands dirty, this is going to be a very relevant podcast for you. And also just dealing with the business of things as well, because the thing is a lot of people who are creative don't really have to deal with the money side of things. And Alan's in a very good position in that he does both the, the manufacturing of things. He understands how things are made and how to work to a budget and to a time. Uh, but he also understands where that's going to go because because the whole business of the haunt house is one where you kind of control everything. It's not a case with like film and TV, which was one of the things we touched on in that um, from a makeup point of view for TV and film, you don't really have a lot of control over everything. You just do what you have to do within the confines of the brief. But there's so many other aspects to it that you don't control um, that a lot of things can change. A lot of things get away from you. Whereas with the stuff for the haunt business, you're kind of in control of all of it and, and you, you uh, rise and fall on, on your efforts rather than uh, sort of uh, being tied in with lots of different other um, departments. So it was a very interesting chat, and I think in any regard, whether you're a maker or someone that's looking at making, I think it's going to be a really, really valuable episode. So check this out. Okay, so we are in Plano, Texas, and I'm just pulling up to a very large building with... The fantastic looking frontage and uh, this place is the dark hour and it's pretty big haunted house so pretty well-known establishment around here and uh, here I am I'm just gonna uh, park up and then 
I'm going to go in and we're going to speak to a chap called Alan. Alan Hobbs, who is a uh, director here at The Dark Hour. And uh, I want to find out a little bit more about what a haunt's like over here in Texas and uh, what goes into one uh, and the kind of things it takes to get people scared on a regular basis. Here we go. So, uh, dark hour, just the bare bones of it. We are a haunted attraction in the Dallas, Texas market, Plano, Texas specifically. And we try to be a very high-end haunted attraction. One of the, like, we think big in what we do. Uh, we have a big scale and scope. We're in almost a 50,000 square foot building, about 35,000 square foot of show, um, in in our show we have well, in our building we have warehouse space to store things we have uh, a mold room to do all of our own sculpting and molding uh, we bake our own foam latex prosthetics here so uh, we do have we make our own costumes here we kind of there's a big trade show for haunted houses and one of the jokes is that I don't buy anything at the trade show because we buy raw materials we buy rubber you know we, we, we buy latex by the drum yeah. you know we buy fabric but we we make all of our stuff yeah so people you know buy things from you i guess you people buy things from <laughs> from us absolutely amazing because we try and fill needs you know uh-huh. i think it's the things a lot of people like make stuff like masks and stuff but they don't really necessarily see where it gets used and i think it's quite nice to see here it's specifically to terrify people <laughs> absolutely we we are 100 percent the end user yeah uh so we don't we have to make a mask that is has a different functionality than a mask you'll see in the store Halloween time. That has to look good for a couple hours while someone wears it at a party. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be on a shelf or in a closet for years until someone else buys it at a garage sale. We, you, we make masks that an actor is going to wear for you know six to eight hours a night and you know, sweat buckets in. They have to breathe. They have to see. They have to hear. And those things are often not considered when you're making a mask. So they're very functional items as well. Yeah, we have to make we have to make a mask first. Sculpture is almost second. It has to get the idea across, absolutely. But more than that, a person has to be able to wear it for a long period of time. We don't get a cut. We don't get, you know, take two, you know. Yeah, yeah. Give him twenty minutes. Uh, it's it's all happening right now. So it's just different stresses under I'm not saying it's any harder or any because we're certainly more lenient when we get away with, you know, well, that looked very good. Make it darker, you know, yeah. turn the lights down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, everything has a very specific function with what we do. Okay. Amazing. This is our, heading up here by the stage, is our tech room. And in here is basically, it's all the server racks because we have a big camera system. We use... The same kind of sound system that they use in, you know, big airports and things. It's called QSIS. But we can send any sound we want digitally to any speaker. Wow. Because they're all set up on this system. So you can control everything exactly how you want, depending yes. on... Every light in the show is color-changing DMX, color-mixing DMX, I think it's proper term. Okay. But we can change the color, make it flicker. So... We can change a good bit of the environment just by changing the lights and sound drastically from performance to performance. Wow. And then there's bins of just little pieces. There's, you know, 
power supplies, controllers, solenoids, you know, different types of triggers, whether it's a button trigger for an actor or a motion sensor, so that we can build different effects by having a stockpile of things. You know, you put a strobe light on it, you can put a sound on it, you know, anything that we build, you can the push of a button or at the trip of a sensor, give it give it life. It's amazing. I, mean, I love the idea that you're all, because like, obviously you're all trying to push in the same direction, that you can create like a very good experience. Whereas like if you're doing something for a film or something, you don't necessarily control the camera at all or the lighting at all or the acting at all. Whereas as a, a haunt, you kind of can and you see you can absolutely decide on you know, what the best way of doing something is. Just like a cinematographer will pan to show importance of something, you know, we might have to put a sound off before an effect goes off. And that way they hear that sound in the corner. And that way we know they look at the corner. And that's all part of a time sequence. They hear the sound go off, then they look that direction, and then the light flashes and the monster comes out. If we just did that, it could happen when their back is turned. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of timing and focus. You know, we, we have to use our lights and our sound to get them to look where we want. Well, that's our tech room. So now we're going into what looks like a, a line area where people would wait to... Yeah, this is... This is we have a... A several stage system for October. October is obviously our biggest show because that's when Halloween is supposed to happen. Everybody knows that they have to go to Haunted House during October. So this is kind of the one where that's where everybody shows up and we have big crowds. We might do four or five thousand people on a on that Saturday on a couple of those Saturday nights. Wow. And to do that, they go into that area first. We fill that up. There's a queue outside that fills up with a hundred people from a main queue. Those hundred get flushed into this section. They get the rules in there, and then they get flushed into hey, here as the. Alan, are you still in a meeting? Lately, oh, that's fine. I have, I'm I'm still in a meeting. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm actually doing a different tour right now. All right, uh, we're done. Uh, is there anything particularly you'd like to do? No, uh, we are about to head into the graveyard. Um, is Al done for the day? Did he want to hang out today, or is he just coming in tomorrow morning? Yes, sir. Sorry to interrupt. Thank you very much. Okay. Sorry about that. That nice. is it's business. This is all all the time. Just different little things are firing off. Um, so that group then gets flushed into this area, which of course there's a big stage in front of us, uh, and that's themed out. There's big screens that we can play different video projections, and we have a show that tells the story of this year's show. Oh, fantastic. So that'll be a video effect, you know, here. And we're actually, we have another projector over here this year that, so we'll be bouncing their focus even around this room while they're in here. So even though you're managing the shows every night that they're happening, you're still along the way plotting new storylines and for next year's. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. I think most haunted house people, they'll start planning next year as soon as the first, that year opens. Wow. You know. It's a big job. So let's head into the graveyard. Have a few spots to get through here. Just passing through a couple of angels that presumably will not leap out at me as we go past. Just having them blend, you know, all these little cutaways and openings blend seamlessly into the show. Yeah, really allows the actors to move around. Like, see that corner over there? Uh huh. Only when we get really close can you see the outline. Oh yeah. Wow. That that's a secret door. 
you know, but you use the color to blend it in. And even the little crack that the actor looks through, you have black fabric behind there so you can't see any light. Wow. <laughs> I went straight past that even That's the goal. Yeah. And in show light, you can, you know, change their focus quite a bit by bouncing them around. Yeah, I mean, have you ever had the pain of doing a beautiful red veining airbrush job on someone uh -huh. and, and they put it in a red light yeah. <laughs> and the makeup disappears? It's like they're wearing nothing. Yeah. That's something that we have to consider here quite a bit. Okay. Now you're going through, now you might, what you see, the, all this little felt stuff that you see, the white felt stuff. Mm -hmm. In show light, that's going to look like fallen snow that's landed on top of these things. And we'll be hitting it all along the bottom where snow would pile up. Okay. And uh, when they come in here, snow machines will actually be on. So this, it's snowing in this area. Amazing. So this is why the whole ceiling is not there. I guess when it's lit, you don't see that. Absolutely, because all the lights shine down. So it's just blackness up there past that. That's amazing. We have just a little bit. We have some UV hitting in certain areas to make sure that the snow is illuminated. Our backstory at Dark Hour is a group of witches. And that coven of witches, um, this is a witch's graveyard. If you were burnt the stake at the witch, they wouldn't give you a proper burial, of course. So witches had to make their own graveyard. So we even have a character who, we encourage characters that fit in their backstory. Okay. So one character, it's his sole job to go steal the witch's bodies back and bring them back to the graveyard. Um, and this particular little crypt that we're in now is a crypt for their familiars. So that's why you see a cat statue over here. There's a, a little mummified <laughs> raven. There's a rat, spiders. Details are amazing, just these little things that are tucked away. I guess a lot of it doesn't even get noticed, but then so many people the, passing through, you want to give, you know, different... The story that we have here, and that almost any haunted attraction has, unlike a movie where the story is part of the draw, the story is a guide for us. So we can lay this story out, and that tells me what sets are going to make sense mm -hmm. and which sets will not, which, you know, which scares, what characters I can fit in. There are three things that we consider there is characters situation and setting situation might be a school or the, the situation might be zombies mm -hmm. the setting might be a school and then you have specific characters within that right so every show has those three things and that's what makes it an environment you know you can't say what's your theme zombies it's not a theme that's a situation yeah so you have to apply that to are they zombies in a church or are they zombie you know you got to put them somewhere. Yeah, yeah. This is fun. This is, we have a VIP ticket, and guests can't buy a VIP ticket. And while they're in the VIP room waiting to go in, or after they've gone through one time, they get to go through twice. This is a scare that they can do. So they can come into here separated from the show itself, but inside of it, and they can get a scare on other guests going through by <laughs> rattling these bars. <laughs> um, we are, by our very nature, trying to make a frightening, confusing place that people don't know how to get out. Mm -hmm. 
A fire department's job is to make sure that in case of emergency, a place is not confusing, easy to get out. So we're, we kind of walk a fine line, and that's who we have to really please most shows. It's the fire marshal. where We want tight, confined spaces. They want open spaces where you can see. So it's a, it's a trade. So the skills need to do this kind of thing. Do you, this all in house, or do you get like classes? So everybody here knows. We keep stuff. roughly twenty people working all year. That's scenic artists, but everybody kind of wears multiple hats. Uh-huh. You know, um, that scenic artist, that scenic painting, that is uh, my makeup director is full time. I have two costumers who are here every day, so everything we do to kind. of get ready for the next show it just it does something else you know? i guess that's the thing is is understanding your lighting not only as a, as a lighting but how it affects the environment which you're able to influence so you know what you're saying you can put that paint on and... that is actually something that i call paper doll thinking where you can look at a like imagine a paper doll you have that base mm-hmm. well the set is the base and then just like you might swap over a different paper doll dress or uniform or accessories you have to be able to look at that. What's that going to look like in blue light? What's that going to look like in red light? What will that look like in dim light? Uh, when when we first started, everything was painted more like this, which is a very gray, very drab. It looks good because everything was painted in this light. Mm-hmm. Well, we then had to go back, and in dim lighting, it's all mud. There's no difference. There's no. We had to paint things more like this, where you have a lot of darks, a lot of depth, and you you give it a little more definition with color and with contrast. And that is what pops out better in low lighting situations. And just little surprises. Even down to, you see this cell door, and it's on, and it's attached, and everything, and it's closed. That's where your lock is. Well. That's just there to throw your brain off when it opens from the other side. Because you always expect, these, these look like hinges, you know. You always expect it to open from the side where the door handler, where the lock is. Uh-huh. Just that is enough to freak people out sometimes because they were expecting it from the other side and they kind of brace their energy to stop that and then you hit them on the other end. Just a simple thing like that. I think what's amazing is because so, obviously when you start with the story, there's such a grand thing you've got to start broad then gradually narrow down yes. to things like that so how do you keep the the continuity across it all do you have like does, does one person come up with the idea and then enforce it or is it like a, a team thing or does everyone chip it's in it's actually ideas, it's gathering little ideas from everywhere and massaging them so they fit in with your story okay. I have a friend who is brilliant designer brilliant thinker brilliant artist but this is a this is a nice script. All these candles are LEDs. He has the issue where he'll say, Hey, Alan, let's do a, uh, a graphic novel, a comic book. Let's do a comic book for these characters. I say, That's a great idea. Let's do it. He'll call me in a week and say, You know what? I've been working on it, and I want to make it into a graphic novel. I think the story's really good. Let's make it into a graphic novel. And then a week or two will go by. I'll say, Hey, how's that graphic novel coming? We want to get going on that. Well, you know what? I like it so much, I'm turning it into a screenplay. Just for like, you know, like a TV pilot, maybe like a 40-minute thing. Mm-hmm. And then I know what's happening. And then two weeks or so go by, maybe a month goes by. I say, hey, how's that, how's that pilot going? 
And he says, you know what? I think I want to make it like a trilogy where there's three two-hour movies. And I'm kind of doing the outlines and things for that. Mm-hmm. Well, a week later, it's, you know what? It's too complicated. We'll never get the budget to do it. So then, I don't have a graphic novel. <laughs> I don't have the comic book that we wanted in the first place. But, you know, we... Great ideas, but they're too big. So sometimes if you start with the big idea and you find things to fit under that umbrella, you can make it a reality. The coolest part about my job is having monsters in my head and then I can see them walk around. That's the coolest thing that I do. And it's having that story and knowing what I'm working under helps guide that. That's that's such a good analogy, I think, from most creative people you know when they sometimes don't actually act on anything they just want to keep adding to their ideas and to the point where it just explodes and I had a friend who was the king of half finished projects and he had you know this is a cool Freddy glove that I that I made you made three fingers you didn't make a whole Freddy glove you have to finish it yeah. nothing counts unless it's finished my my favorite color around here is finished <laughs> if you ask anybody here they say hey what's Alan's favorite color it's finished that's that's what's important. You can always go back and, you know, detail. Detail normally is something you can put on top. But you have to have bones there to do it. Yeah. And, you know, get those bones done. And you're leaving now the cemetery area, the graveyard, and you're headed into the manor itself. And this is where the witches of the Dark Hour Coven reside. There's a bit of craziness going on here because we're in that build stage. You're hitting me in, uh, you know, early August. We have a good bit of time before we open, so everything is firming up right now. This is one of my favorite secret doors. Oh, wow. Are you positioning uh, Leprechaun's Ed? We're going to add snowmen to the graveyard later. That's a costume. Here, you know what? I'll actually show you this construction because it's so fun and simple. You've heard of the AB spray insulation. Yes. Well, this is three beach balls stacked up. You know, a three-foot, a three-foot beach ball, and then a, an 18-inch beach ball. And you can just you foam over the top of them after you tape them together. Uh-huh. And those are your... That's your snowman. Wow. And there's a cartoon called Calvin and Hobbes. Mm -hmm. And he has, there's, I tried to build almost all of the monster snowmen that they've done in their Christmas, just as an homage. Uh Most folks won't notice it, but, you know, if you go through, you'll see the snow shark fins that were chasing the swimmer, (laughs) you know, and you put that in the field of snow. And uh, that's fun from our childhood. This is actually the swimmer right here. That's why it's his top half. Oh, okay. <laughs> so move his arms so he's swimming in the water. And then unsuspecting someone's going to... This is the costume. Uh, wait, this is the costume. <laughs> <laughs> it's good enough where it fools me. Wow. Yeah, so this one is hollowed out. And a person can just fit in there, and this goes on, and you can 
see out of the eyes and the mouth, and that's just for ventilation. And uh, there's some YouTube videos of an angry snowman, and it was it was so fun that you know we, we wanted to make it ourselves. Amazing. So that someone can actually chase after somebody now, then, or just oh, yeah. stop moving. Yeah. <laughs> but often, just moving the heads enough. Yeah, you don't stick around. To you know, find the, <laughs> yeah. Whenever you can play with that. People wrote off this object as inanimate and then it attacks them. I uh -huh. think that's a, a big win. These guys were made in-house. Oh. And we have one foam body form that we call Timmy. It's the Timmy form. And it's a dummy head that we make masks for. Okay. So any creature that's about this size. We can make winged monkeys. We can make... We made children's bodies to float in the water in a few scenes away from us um, for La Llorona. Uh -huh. uh, but anything that's smaller in stature, we have this body form that we can make creatures on. That's the thing, isn't it? If you're sort of making lots of things like accumulating molds, that takes up space. So yeah. then you can multi-use you know, multi and different things. That's we have a plaster mold here of a werewolf of London body, where uh -huh. it's from the neck all the way down to his big werewolf legs from when he's in the bed changing, or he's on the floor changing. Mm -hmm. And that mold is seven foot by four foot. Wow. It's massive. And it's a stone mold. Yeah. Wow, okay. It's yeah. plaster. Yeah, you don't want too many of those in. <laughs> no, uh, but there's- But very useful. There's three different leprechaun heads. You know, you can see that this sculpt is different than this sculpt. Okay. It's just different paint jobs and different heads. Different hair, different paint jobs, yep. Some hats. Yeah, we just, um, and you know what? This idea I actually got from Pinterest. Pinterest is a wonderful way to gather ideas that you like. And I have a, I have a board on my Pinterest called Devils in the Details. And it's little things. Um, this little piece over here, where it's a hand made out of the pages of the book, and he's turning his own pages. I, you know, I saw that on Pinterest. And it's just one little thing that I put in here. The, uh, the skull shelf is one little thing that I put in here. And this is actually a secret door for an actor to come out. So this is the secret door for an actor to come out of. Oh. And they can slide out of there. If you're going to have a nice old looking bookcase, it ought to be a secret door. Quite so. Oh, wow. And this is what it all, it all used to look kind of like this. Now these are a scare too. We just cut the spines of the books and an actor can pop that back and then reach out. Put it back up. There's a video effect in this mirror here at the end. You have to be careful where you put these because you want to hit the whole group at once. And this is a perfect spot because they're all coming down this way. They're all in a line. So they'll all see this sucker go off. There's a TV back there. And there's a button over here. Then we record our own scares. And when you hit it, you know, our video pops up. And we're moving into a, a werewolf section. We have a number of witches, and one of the witches is uh, ever since, I guess we opened, she's been the mother of werewolves. She's a gypsy witch. Okay. And uh, so she has a relationship with werewolves, and some of her gypsies uh, become werewolves. And there are some people who are hunting her, and they're set up right here. And as you come around the corner, this is her area. We have some wacky wolf wallpaper. Those bear traps are actually going around the corner. Taxidermy type displays. 
whereas hunters would have animal heads on the wall, she has the heads of hunters. <laughs> Amazing. That kind of like loungy wallpaper, but it's actually walls. <laughs> yeah, and it's just fabric that we attach with wood glue to the walls. Amazing. To feel that way. It's interesting how, you know, even though you can see, because we're in, you know, house lights are on, but even with that, when you sort of look down, you get that sense of being in a space like when you're in a set. So we're going through these different areas, you have outside areas. It does generate that feeling inside you of like, oh, you know, this is yeah. like some, you know, taxidermy well, is a little bit odd. And we, we pride ourselves in making sure that when you go through a space, it's on both sides of you. Right. Sometimes... You know, you have a safe wall, basically, and you walk by a set and it's behind a railing. And I'm just, you want to be it's over there. You're yeah, safe. Yeah. I want to immerse them in it. I don't want yeah. them to feel, I don't want them to feel distance at all. I want them to feel like they're deep in it. This is uh, kind of fun. We set this up with some animal heads and whatnot. And then when they get down there, this is an actor's chair. <laughs> That gorilla's mouth and get a scare. You do that, yeah. That was that was such a Scooby Doo moment. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna get my. Well, you know I'm gonna boomerang that. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. I got a little Scooby Doo is what tells kids there's secret passages in old houses and don't trust the taxidermy head. And these are actually our witches. Oh, wow. So you've done the makeups on the witches. Presumably beforehand, or these like wearing prosthetics and masks. Yes, and... this um, that's a mask. Prosthetic down there, prosthetic here, prosthetic, and this is all thirteen of the witches together. Now, there's a couple cheats in this, of course. Um, not to be terribly sexist, it's impossible to have thirteen women already at the same time. Okay. So this is there's some Photoshop involved in this picture. And actually, this witch right here doesn't exist. Give it a second. It's a day at work. That's just worth somebody. Here. Falling down, holding a devolt drill. So, uh, so this witch is just made up and pulled from eight different things on the internet and cobbled together to make this one portrait of all of them. Here's our here's our gypsy werewolf witch with her six exposed breasts. That's kind of a brave choice, but when you actually when you see her in the show, she's suckling a werewolf, and then she releases it. You're weaned. Get him, you know, and goes after people. This is another drop panel, so I have to keep you behind this. This window is plexiglass and can be hammered on. And the actor who can stick his hand through the gorilla's mouth, mm -hmm. he's in this one little spot, and he can hit this, he can hit a curtain over there, and he can hit that scare. We are in progress in this room, so there's not too much going on right now. And this is kind of where the, uh, the werewolf's food will be prepped. So this is what we call a bang table. It's just a real thin piece of plywood mm -hmm. that an actor, when they hit it, it makes a good loud noise. You know, something really sturdy like this, you just, 
it's not, it's not, it's not as powerful. And we build the table to be a drum. Which again, that good stagecrafting. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. We know its function, so we can make it just for that. You know what's weird as well? Like we're just passing here, I can see the the snowman again. Even though this is you know lit, I completely lost track. I was like, oh, the snowman. I had no idea. The yeah, direction kind I was of a, going. kind of a focal point. For yeah. You. So you completely well, lose track actually, of step you back in this hallway because one of the things that we do is we route people different ways. And the whole reason why this floor is painted like the one from The Shining. Oh, yes, so it is. <laughs> that's what this is. We have an all-female cast show uh, called Summer Spirits in June. And the guests will actually turn this way. They won't go in the foyer through there. They'll turn this way, right through this hall. They'll come down here. This is set up because they'll get, they'll see the two twins down at the end. And then a big strobe light, a heavy strobe light will hit flash lights go out and then two twins come from around the corner right there so it looks like they've covered that ground like that to get a scare when those lights come back up uh, and then the tricycle is parked right the big wheel is parked right here and then that helps turn them into here and they go from here to here and then they're right back on course by just making two turns and we put them right back where they're supposed to be show wise So what's that noise I can hear in the background? Is that you testing out some yeah. uh, some audio? They're probably installing something and figuring out where to put the motion sensor. There's an art to how fast will the group be moving? When will they trigger it? When will it go off? Do you want it to, If it goes off before the group, it'll slow them down, and that hurts how fast people go through the show. If it goes off too far behind them, they'll stop and walk backwards to see what they missed. So it's got to hit at kind of just the right time to keep that group flowing. Wow. And something like that had a duration to it as well. So it's yes. like, you know, if it goes on for 30 seconds. Exactly. You've got to get the timing right too. Wow, wow. And you might be hitting a sensor that actually doesn't even affect your group. But when you're here, that means another group is over at this spot. And that's, or you hit a sensor here and that's an audio cue somewhere else for actors to know you're coming. Right. Or, you know, or to know that that area is clear, you just hit a spot where it clears and they can send in the next one. So this is uh, in a state right now because this was for our July show, which is werewolves. And these are werewolf puppies. And this body kicks and moves. And uh, these, these heads are motorized, so they're chewing on intestines and moving and such. <laughs> So you're in a little greenhouse, and I want to stay right there. I want to demonstrate one of my favorite things. And it's not as big and crazy as you think. It's just a simple idea that I thought was brilliant. Wow. And this is, you know, all over, of course, is that lattice material, that white lattice. And this is all underwear elastic but we stretched it out over a frame so it looks like the lattice. You feel like you're safe and... Yeah, so you can't reach through that. Us, yeah. Yeah, as soon as you see this material, you know what it is. So this is a way to mess with that. Well, now this material is flexible and I can just reach through. There used to be a book on haunted houses by a guy named Philip Morris. And this was a book in the early 70s. And it was uh, how to how to build a haunted house. And one of the gags in it was a jail cell 
and instead of a bar, you use an inner tube tire from a car, from, from a bike. So you'd cut the inner tube, and it was a, but it looked like a black bar, and it would just stretch. And that's a modernized version of that same gag. That's amazing. But you say so simple, but just really effective. Yeah, because you, you write it off. And here we do have some genuine lattice. It looks the same. So yeah. And that actually has a, a mirror behind it because when we cut this away, the guests will walk by here and they'll just see that movement and they scare themselves and then they realize, oh, that's just us. That's a mirror. But you have a big enough holes where they can see that movement. Mm -hmm. They're providing the movement. This is our clock room, a little bit HG Wells, a little bit, um, you know, like the time machine with those ornate panels and whatnot. All these gears actually turn. Oh, wow. There's a 4x8 panel of gears there, a 4x4 panel of gears there, and there's another 4x4 panel of gears right here. This one's hard to see because it's not lit right now. When it's lit from the inside, uh, these show up quite well. Oh, wow. Here's a, a switch of some kind. Yes. Cool. Well, uh, this big switch was featured in a commercial of ours a few years back. And basically, it's a, you know, a big electrical jack switch that fits in with this room. And there is a different fuse for each of the witches. So in that commercial, you showed her doing magic to craft her fuse. Right. And then she ended up, you know, it was, you know, she approached it and then put her fuse in and then it all lit up with LEDs behind them, and then she flipped this switch. And that is, then we showed the gear panels starting up. So we get to do some fun film things, you know? Yeah. I just love the idea that it all starts with story as well, you know, before you make anything, you have your story. That's what drives you, that's you what tells you that. what to make. I mean, it's an odd thing, it's, it's similar, I guess, with well, I guess with anything, but with makeup and stuff, I'm always very keen on people, you know, setting themselves a brief. Because obviously, the thing is, if you do stuff for a show, the brief already exists. Whereas with you, you're making your brief from the beginning, like you say, then you kind of hang things off of it yes. and work within the confines of it rather than forever expand your funnel of ideas and, and go nowhere. Uh, yeah, make it it's finish. actually harder that way if you don't, if nothing tells you what to do yeah. and the story tells you what to do. This hallway has a couple fun things in it. There's a powerful fan at the end of this hallway. So all this tattered material and cobwebs that we have in here just flicker in the wind. There's a motion light down there that you walk into also. And all of these mirrors actually open up. Wow. So an actor can scare you from one of them or all of them. And this is one of our reworking areas where Hi, Ed. Hi, Andy. Hi. How you doing? Hi. Hello. How's it going, boys? Is that wired in over at the wall we have to move? What, this? Yeah. No. Good. This, Good. This is for something else. Okay. Shoo. Make me nervous. Um, I have the easy job. I draw stuff on paper. You know, I'll take the map and I'll erase a wall and I'll put a new wall in and I'll stay do that. Mm -hmm. Well, there's power that runs over that. There's, you know... Then someone has to physically go and do it. I say my job is I draw stuff on napkins all day. You know, I have the ideas that fit in the framework. I hand that napkin to somebody else, and then they make that happen. Um, luckily, I get to be involved in a lot of it, but not as much as I'd like. 
the guests used to come this way, and we're going to send them that way, and then this becomes an actor hall where the actor can get scares on both sides of the hallway. So this room uh, has a water cannon in it. So as you walk by here, you see an animatronic of some kind go off, depend different changes on the show, and then a water cannon shoots this. So you get a big blast of water that hits this plexiglass window. That whole room is an accumulation tank. So it catches the blast off of it catches the blast off the window and a pump circulates the water all through. So the night before we opened, I had to put 426 gallons of water into the middle of my show and hope that the seal held. Pretty scary stuff. It did not. Okay. And then we mopped it up and we cleaned it up and we figured out it was the liner, a piece of the liner had just fallen over and they got past the liner, so about half of it leaked out. But with fans and Texas, made it go. <laughs> Texas yeah. heat room. Yes. Just, wow. Now all these cave structures in here, very simple. It's window screen that we just crumpled up and then hit with spray, foam, insulation. Wow. That's amazing stuff, isn't it? Oh, it is. You can do a variety of effects with it. And this is more little waterfalls. That's a giant spider. Waterfall is right there that divides those two areas. This is a waterfall here also. Alan for Jake. Is the werewolf sound on? Yes. Thank you. Well, it's, it's a podcast. This is Al Driver, who I mentioned to you before. He's a out-of-state haunter who's in town. He'll be, he'll be interning with us tomorrow. This is Stuart Bray. And uh, he is a special effects artist. And he has a podcast called Battles with Small Bits of Rubber. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yeah, yes, he can. Or he's plastic a, or foam. He's a prop <laughs> maker also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just about you know, the, the business of making things. And largely coming out across problems and then going, shit, no one knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's that. Oh, because if you go into Home Depot to solve a problem of yours, you can rest assured no one there can help you. No. no. And if you sort of describe what you want, they'll direct you towards something else. Yeah, and they, and they say, what do you need? I need a plastic tube that's wider on this end than on the other, and it's got to have ridges on it. Yeah. I'm like, well, what is it? I don't know what it is. You tell me what it is. I know what I need. Yeah. You know, and it's there's I'm a big value in just walking through yes. and cataloging everything. Yeah. So when out. you need it or whatever it is, you know where to get it. Yeah. I've got them trained where I forget. I just give up the whole haunt deal. I tell them I make props for independent films. <laughs> I mean, not to try to blow my ego, but just because. You say Halloween in February, and it's like, yeah. they don't, you yeah. know. That's actually a big frustration, because <laughs> I guess people think there are haunted house seeds that you throw out into a field, <laughs> and, they just grow and you water it, and then boom, a haunted house pops up, you yeah. know. You have to order lumber in advance. You have to get the walls up before you can paint. And if you want to walk through a finished product, you, know, you would better start in June yeah. for the ones that just pop up. This is a door also, but we actually put an animatronic back there this go-round. Oh, wow. So there's a werewolf back here that uh, gets a scare. It's neat. And I love how, like, you know, by like having this sort of 
that's a ceiling you can control, like, you know, the ceiling. Of, even though yeah, you still it, get it makes you feel more dungeon-y because the ceiling's only seven foot. Wow. So this is our sewer. And down here we have a werewolf puppet. And this puppet is built 90% out of garbage. Literally. There's a wonderful material called polyethylene foam. Are you familiar with that at all? It's not the expanding stuff like that. No, it's a, a pool noodle. Okay. A pool noodle is polyethylene foam. Well, I go dumpster diving for that all the time in industrial dumpsters nearby. And I just get all that I can. And he is made just about completely out of polyethylene foam, uh, skinned then in saran wrap, and then all different kinds of fur scraps. And it's a, it's a big werewolf puppet that, uh, you know, like this fur is different completely than this fur or this fur or this fur because it's scraps that we have from several different costumes. I'm going to walk around, stay right here, but take a peek at the sewer you're in too because this is kind of fun. Okay. And uh, I'll be right back. I'm going to hit that puppet. So this puppet actually start back here. He'll start back here and down. Pop up. That's pretty effective. <laughs> There's so much movement on that. And I guess it's lightweight. Um, yeah, it's actually hung from a track on the ceiling. Go ahead and walk around by that ladder. I'm sorry we have a lot of things going on no, right it's now. Good. It's an audio nightmare, I know, with the no, environment. No, 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 this that is what in. I want. I want the sounds of it happening for real. Come on in here. And this is the room behind the sewer. And you can see the semi-elaborate but really simple rig that this is on. There is a piece of track that it's suspended from, so you don't have to hold the weight of it. And then there's just a four-axis mechanism that controls the movement of it, where if I tilt it this way, you see the motion I get out of the body, and then I can go back and forth this way. And if you shine the light in there, you can actually see his uh, saran wrap skin inside which is what helps shape them out but it works it's so it's such, i mean you say similar it's well engineered the whole thing and it's counterbalanced and yeah that way know, it's, it's not a lot of work for the actor so you can really concentrate on the performance and getting a and in result we do a lot of recycling here even things that we make will turn into other things and his four paws were already we had to make fuzzy slippers <laughs> for something so it, it was those bare feet slippers uh-huh and it was like an Instagram post, because we're very active on social media, you know. And so it was like fuzzy slipper day, so we made these bear paw slippers. Well, they were the right size for his four paws, so I just snagged them out of our costume shop, and I didn't have to make them.
This is fun. There's fire in here where uh, there's a propane accumulator there. We actually shoot propane through this tube under, under the water and of course it bubbles up and rises and then igniter catches it on fire and then it burns right there a little bit. So that's good for blinding folks. Waterfall, the monster can come out of the waterfall. Just different sets and things and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, completely different environment now. It's sort of the waterfall going and there's a greenery hanging down. Yeah, it's now kind of we've moved. Now we've, I made a note we moved from the graveyard to the manor. Well, now we're moving out of the manor and into uh, what we call the village. Let me hit a breaker because that shack is one of my favorite things. Oh, wow. So this whole 12 foot by 16 foot shack is on airbags. And there's uh, three airbags on each side, four airbags on each side that will lift it up alternately and allow you to walk through, get you know, whole group walk through while moving and fishing a little bit. Not enough where it's really unstable footing, but enough to unsettle you. And I just, I love the sound. Yeah. You know, because even you hear the hissing of the air a bit. But I almost feel like I'm on a ship because it's creaking, yeah. and it's all—it's all just the natural wood and things just moving and swinging around. Cool. I have a very strong passion for the monsters of it, and a lot of the people on my team have a passion for the environment of it. You know, and they want to build those really cool environments. Boy, I guess trigger is a, is a word, it's a very popular phrase nowadays. You're not going to trigger someone with a werewolf. You know, maybe they have a werewolf phobia. I know people have that. But if you go into a haunted house and there's a scene where a guy blows his brains out, mm -hmm. well, maybe your cousin, your uncle, your father blew, you know, killed themselves. So that's not a comfortable fear. That's not a comfortable feeling. So if we have a dead body, we try to show a supernatural way that it, Die. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A haunted house can be a little too CNN for me. Yeah. If you can see it on CNN, I don't want to see it in my haunted house. Sure. But that, the, the drama of that is puts you right in front. Yeah. Of something, so it's a, a realistic -y thing, but it's not. So this is where you'd be. This is a fun gag. This this is, you know, the actor sitting here, and there's some bloody rags around. Their leg is down here. There's a fake leg up here, and they. There's actually a water pump right here. That water runs down this over top of this red stain and on a red light. And that just actually goes down into this tub and recirculates. So there in the other leg has this boot on that matches. And they were bit by zombies, so they had to cut their own leg off to not get the <laughs> zombie purse.
So this is a secondary show where uh, Dark Hour is so grandiose and so over the top, and it's very... How long is your podcast, by the way? Uh, it's usually about an hour, an hour and a half. You're going to edit the heck out of this. That's all good, don't worry. Okay. Um, in order to put something next to it, it's always going to be seen as less, because it's does not, it doesn't have the same budget. This is a 5,000-square-foot show compared to that 35,000-square-foot show. So we went completely the other direction with this, and it's very cheaply built, but it's a nod to haunted houses of the 80s. You know, it, it's a nod to simpler times where you come into this kitchen set and everything is painted on. You know, there's there's stacked dishes that are just, it's all, it's all paint and simple. We took cardboard and just sprayed it out, and that's our cabinets. And another stencil was hinges. And, you know, the knives hanging on the wall, a microwave. Yes, there's real shelves here. You know, yes, we have real cardboard boxes. This is the tower that it looks like it's going to fall on you. You know, but that's, that's enough to get a jump out of people, just leaning that much. And the tower's about nine feet high. Crazy pizza oven. <laughs> and this is, this whole attraction is built around a character that I created a few years ago named Carl, who murders children. Nice. That's what he does. And he is, I, I tell you very simply, Carl murders children. He's a terrible person. People love him. I have no idea why. It is a character that, you know, we've tried to stop doing, but just so many people like it. Because um, he's very funny. I mean, again, it's a different feel than Dark Hour. This room's a little disturbing. Um, in, I scan the free section of Craigslist almost religiously. I make sure they send me a notification when something new pops up. Normally it's garbage. It's, hey, I've got half a bag of kitty litter. My cat died. Come get this half a bag of kitty litter. I don't want that. But every now and then, something amazing pops up. Like this woman, two years ago, she made dolls. She started making dolls in the 30s. So she had the stone molds for pouring up greenware doll heads and then baking them. Uh, so we got a bunch of those. And... All of this set here is little pictures from doll making magazines that she had, a giant stack. And when you individually cut out every little doll's picture and put it on the wall, it makes a nice creepy tableau of just, because you think they're kids, but then you look, it's like, no, they're really dolls. And then of course you add some bloody handprints and the occasional picture of a van that Carl really likes. Because, you know, if you're that kind of person, you like fans. And these are actually pictures of fans with Carl. <laughs> like right here. So. And this looks like his photography lab, kind of. So some of this is leftovers from another haunt that we had that was a black and white show. And, but everything that's color and that's 
a lot of the big stuff in here we had to build in that time. These two were built in the two hours before we opened. So we opened at 7 p.m. and I started these at 5 p.m. Three. And you run quick. <laughs> I'm very fast. I can do C, B quality work, B, C quality work very fast. Doesn't matter how much time you give me, I'll never get to A quality work. I'm just, I'm not wired that way. But I can do B and C quality work very fast. Um, I, I work with a lot of folks who they're good at putting that 10% polish on things, uh -huh. and I can get it to 90% or 80% really fast. And and that's that's how I function. But this is all, it's a PVC frame, and these heads are just made out of upholstery foam, stacked and cut and spray painted. But I wasn't sure if you know these were going to stop moving. I guess that's the thing. You know, you're not quite sure. You're on and we have we have costumes for actors too that look just like these. So there there is some of that in here. And then this is the the theater and the show. Once you go through this curtain, you're backstage. Right. This is uh, Carl's chloroform lab, where uh, you know Carl's an entrepreneur. So he you know Carl's chloroform deodorant. Carl's amnesia foam mattress, like a memory foam mattress, but different. Carl's nap time spray, and just for personal use. And it's a scratch and sniff chloroform poster. And you can see that he's injecting it into a birthday cake. And when, when this is turned on, this all bubbles, and there's green LEDs in there. Light little jars of chloroform. So the doll lady who I got all the molds from, uh -huh. as I was leaving, she says, you wouldn't want doll parts or broken dolls, would you? Of course I would. So then we got two whole van loads of all of these dolls. Wow. Came from that one Craigslist stamp. So creepy. And this is a great idea, and then you can just hang them up. Yeah, then that can go away, you know. Some of these are like vintage dolls, I guess, as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and some of them are ceramic greenware, so they're, I mean, they're they're real deal dolls. Oh, this wow. is this is the backstage garage where he's going to fix all his robots and things. Um, and there's scares built into this. Like, that's another pooper scooper. I'll go to the other side and just show you. An actor back here can, you know, do some good damage. And that's a pooper scooper that we just painted and added teeth. I love all these robot heads. These are all just constructed out of things. They're amazing. All of these heads were made with $40 and a trip to the dollar store. Wow. You know, this is a wiffle ball set. This is a product called Pumpkin Teeth that you put in jack-o'-lanterns. Um, these are EVA foam. When I bought the Whipple Ball set, this is the back handle right here. This is, the, of course, the ball for the eyes. This is a piece of the bat. I use the shutters for the eyes. Um, plastic bowl from the dollar store is the top of his head, the dome, part of a five-gallon bucket. And this is like some kind of a sand pattern roller thing. 
And this is the rim of a five gallon bucket that we just cut off and cut in half. All of these, maybe there's an hour in each one. There's not much time in each one at all. So whenever you walk in like a you know, dollar store or something, you're just constantly scanning. Uh, absolutely. So you just constantly because the shapes or you see. Yeah, I'm looking for shapes. Um, an object is its form and its function. And to sell it as that object, it has to have the form. And if you are good at breaking down a form into shapes, then you can make anything at the dollar store. You know? This painting, once again, uh, done the day we opened. And it's, it's all spray paint, so it's very fast. So maybe there's an hour and a half in here in spray paint. You're still going to be pretty confident, though, to pull it off. If I have one superpower in making things, it's decisiveness. I don't hem and haw. I don't... All my options are considered before I even start doing it, hopefully. And then you just make a decision. That might be why I can only get to B and C quality work, but it's also why it's done very fast. And unfortunately, or fortunately for me, having a history of finishing on time or early is almost more important than the quality of work. Um, especially when you get into budget and things like that. No way I'm the best artist out there. But I'm decent and I'm fast. And I'll get it done. And people get to see it then because it's been and people, finished. <laughs> people get to see it, yeah. right. Yeah. It doesn't sit on a shelf somewhere half done. Um, and that's something that I'm trying to drill into the guys that I've got here. You know, sometimes they get a little detail persnickety and... You know, originally this room had grandiose plans of wrists being attached to all of these and just wacky, fun pipes throughout. There's no time for it. Instead of not doing anything, you adjust your plan and you make it happen. So we, you, we now have paint on the walls and the hands are free-floating. And they roughly match up to where the wrists are. But people get the idea, you know. And we are in the idea business for haunts. And again, all these are pulley to the back, where an actor back right behind this wall, looking through the bow tie, can move them. Yeah, almost every room has multiple openings. This, this show is more Swiss cheese than most, because we run this whole show on 10 actors. So they will, you know, swarm a group and hit them from multiple different angles because you can pop out here, walk through, pop out there, walk through, pop here, you know, be behind the wall. When you're behind the wall over here, you get scares, you know, through the, through the clothes. This is the wardrobe area for the, for the pizza place. And uh, he has characters that he thought would appeal to children. Mr. Chompy is one who uh, encourages kids to brush their teeth. So there's some really gross pictures of some really real bad teeth and I have a hard time looking at them um, I actually had to have someone else pick the pictures to print out for me because I couldn't do it well, I don't have a phobia of bad teeth that's pretty grim it's, it's, it's rough it's rough
off, constructed this little. Yeah, so this is coil. backstage. Um, space have opened up. There's nothing back here to, to dampen the sound. This is a poster for every show that we've done. Wow. This is a different opening with a different theme. Starting all the way down there, all the way down this wall, turning the corner and going down that one. So we're coming on to our fifth Halloween, but eight shows a year. So it's quite That's a few. Lot. And again, we're kind of in between shows right now. So there's very different and weird things that are out and things that we're working on. That lovely smell of latex in here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all over in here. You can see those are Krampus masks for our Krampus show, and werewolves are all up there for that show. So I get this pretty busy. I guess we've got a show going on. There must be a lot of people in here. Well, it depends. We have um, anywhere from 35 to 95 actors, depending upon which show we're doing. Um, the last zombie show that we did, we had 65 actors, and every actor had to have two prosthetics on them. Every zombie had to have two prosthetics. So probably only 55 of those were zombies. Um, but we did um, Baldi's encapsulated prosthetics, silicone prosthetics, mm -hmm. and uh, those go on pretty quick. So that's what we did. Amazing. And that's, that's all prep. A few months ahead of time, you start all your wounds, and, you, and then you have them. Yes, you know. ready to go, yeah. And over here, these are all prosthetics that we did in-house. Yeah, I see all these foam pieces. I, love, I still love foam. I still think you know foam's what? great. For a haunted house, I don't think you can beat it. Silicone is lovely, yeah. but it's heavy. Yeah. And in a lot of the, the states, it's very hot. And just the weight of it, this, can, this foam piece can stay glued on halfway and stay on your face. Mm-hmm. Even if the glue fails, even if you sweat like a hog, it'll stay on your face because it's so lightweight. Yeah. A heavier silicone prosthetic, it wants to fall off. Yeah. And you just have to combat that. Yeah. I mean, the sweat can actually get through the foam, can't it? You can kind of press oh, yeah. towels on it. And, uh, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, we don't ever have time for that, but, <laughs> <'cause> they're, <laughs> but they're, they're just through. in there, you know? Yeah. And like all of our elves up here, these elves are really, they're just foam prosthetics put on pantyhose to make a sock mask. So that is, it's not as good as a prosthetic, but it does go on and it gets the job done in low light. And again, if it's designed right, like you've got with the creases and the dark circles, and it'll do the job. It'll work. Abs yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, if you have to do a battlefield of orcs, this is your, you know, three rows back, maybe they're in this. Sure. But this is the thing, though, isn't it? It's knowing the context of how something's used well enough that you make the thing for what it's needed rather than over-engineer it and spend a lot of energy and time on stuff that never gets seen. Not everything we're building is going to be seen in white light and five feet away. Yeah. A lot of the stuff we make is it's in a very dim space. They'll see it for five seconds and the actor's thrashing around the whole time. Mm -hmm. So you just don't need that level of detail. And it would, it would be wasted. And if we waste time, we are sunk. Mm because we don't have it. Those are the masks now for inside of. But you can see the evolution of it, you know, you can see how, yeah. you know, they come around. Yeah, these are much more streamlined and they're smaller and they're, you know, they're, they're just better products. 
I'm actually very proud of this. This is EVA foam floor mats oh. that uh, I laid out into a horse's skull because we needed a La Llorona mask. And it's all heat gun forming and uh, you know a little bit of latex to hold it together. Amazing. How long would you reckon to make that? You were cranking that out? About two and a half hours. It's pretty good, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I, are all these rounded? You know what I mean? Is, is it sanded where it's supposed to be sanded? No. It gets the point across. Yeah. Al, know. if you want to hang out with us while we're roaming around, you're more than welcome. <laughs> No, no, come on in. It's you're good. <laughs> I think we're all into the same thing, you know. It's like I'm just like, yeah. It's just, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of people I know that are trying to do stuff for Halloween or they want to start with theatre and stuff, and they're looking at the film stuff and they're looking at the products and the budgets and the times, and they're they're completely different animals. They they they're similar crossover of skills, but I am semi well known in the haunted house world mm -hmm. because I have a YouTube channel which is how to stuff. But it's all, hey, I went to the dollar store. It's, it's, you know, now there is a lot of sculpting and mold making with, you know, UltraCal or HydraCal and making latex masks. That's a passion of mine. But a lot of it is, you know, kit bashing monsters together or, you know, hey, let's make meat hooks out of coat hangers because you can get them at the dollar store. And so I have found an audience with those people who said, boy, I can't afford the movie budget. Yeah. But a lot of time on the movie budget, they're still doing tricks like that because no one makes prop meat hooks. You have to either make it yourself or find a way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So. And it comes back down to that thing you were saying of like of getting it finished, actually having a finished thing rather than a well-intentioned but never finished sculpture. Finished is shelf. my favorite color, without doubt. <laughs> so this, this hallway here is... It's in between costume and makeup, and these are dressing rooms where the actors can get dressed and ready. Uh, it's slightly chaotic before we open here. I can imagine. So you were, you were just talking, we talked about the level of finish of things. These things here are, we made these for our Valentine's show, which is a lights out show. It's very dark, but we set up opportunities to backlight creatures and silhouettes and so this as a silhouette is very successful in a well-lit room it looks a little ridiculous but when it's backlit and these actually some of them have red leds sunk into them um, it's just making them look different and weird and alien to the environment that they're in like this is this wormy this is a hand you know and there's a, a handle in here in silhouette, that's a little weird, you know? Yeah. You know, we have a lot of really cool thrift store finds that anytime I find something awesome, uh, our thrift stores have an ethnic section and you'll get, you know, beautiful Indian costumes and things that to us it's a costume, to them it's, you know, it's everyday wear, but to Texans it looks pretty alien, you know? Um, wedding dresses are always good. Those are nice to see distressed. I think it's the thing is you just have like the sense of what it is things need to be in context. You know, it's, it's yes. putting the right thing rather than always building things from scratch. It's like putting together things. And, oh know, yeah, it, if you can find something that's mostly done for you, mm -hmm. do that. You know, it's always cheaper for me to buy a mask than it is for me to make one. 
when you look at the hours involved and materials and um, and just time, effort, and energy, and then clean up. I mean, if you have to make three or four, go ahead and make it. But if you only need one and you can find it to buy, do that. Problem is, not a problem, but we have such weird themes. Often, pressed to find, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to make it. Or I can make an orc sculpt right now that I know down the road I can turn into a gargoyle or I can turn it into a uh, werewolf. You know, and that one sculpt serves many different purposes. I guess we'll head back around. Okay. Because we haven't been to the mold room or any of that yet. No, no, that's what I was going to say. That was, uh, that's the place I was interested in seeing too. Last year, we had Korva Hive, the Witch of Swarms, was in charge in October. Okay. So the whole show was flavored with Creatures that swarmed, insects, animals, you know, bugs, cats, any creature that swarmed flavored the show, and Egyptian stuff. So this is just some leftovers that I haven't used for anything else yet. You know, we have a pile of mummies and a pile of uh, pharaoh headgear that are just... Maybe I'll repurpose them, maybe I sell them. You know, it all depends on what we need and when. Get your crocodile there, your alligator, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? We have so much, we're using so much floor space now. Yeah. When we first got to this building, we had seven weeks. From the time we got access to the building to the time we had to open. So we used a lot of things that took up a lot of room. That alligator is 11 foot long. And he slides eight foot forward on a track. So that's great when you need to fill a big space. So it was a little swampy around him and he you know, shot forward, very cool. Well, fast forward, now we have time to detail and we want to close it in. You know, I don't have room for that anymore. That's, that's where two actors are gonna work. Yeah. And I'll get better scares out of those two actors because they can read the people than I will out of him. So. That's a very Harryhausen-style Cyclops mold there oh, wow, with the cool. horn on top of the head. And because not a lot of haunted houses make things, we end up with things that we make, like molds. I will sell them or give them to another haunted house to use for their show. Mm -hmm. The show coming up, that's the one that screams the loudest, and we have to get that done, and we can... Jump Little bits of time, we jump on it when we can. That's a, a personal project, not a I need it for this show project. But it's nice that you you know you have an interest in it, you know, as a as a crew to be able to just you know play at things and develop things, or you know if you're in a dollar store or whatever, you, you constantly there's like a little part of you that's always absolutely taking over and, and looking you, for opportunities. You need to have some. I think you have to have projects you're working on. Projects that are brewing in your brain, and maybe a project or two that is brewing physically that you can get back to every now and then. Oh, yeah, as the werewolf you were telling me about. The, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, so that's the, the David Naughton body type uh, transformation where the actor's head sticks out and the actor's arms stick out. 
Well, there's one right down there, too. So we have one we set up for a photo op for customers where they can act like they changed. And uh, one is in the show also. Now, the mold for it is stored up somewhere else. But it's, I mean, you can see the size of that mold. That's all one piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big mold. This is a creature I made for, uh, we had to do, a, there's a horror convention here, uh, Texas Frightmare Weekend. And we had to do a... It's the thing themed for that year. So this is my kennel creature that I made. You know, a couple of latex werewolf masks, some massager motors. And he twitches and moves and writhes. And, you know, all these guys move on him. There's, you know, spiny legs and whatnot. Different mouths and paws. All the, these are just spray foam that's built up. And you look up here, that's the dragon puppet. But instead of being built out of aluminum, we just framed it out in wood to make sure all the mechanisms would work and things. Again, it's getting that, the, 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 the important things right, you know, in a basic form, whether it's, you know, a I can't waste on time on it. Or, you know, and yeah, it's something yeah. like that. It could be quite complicated. You just, yeah. You could save a lot of time. Like, yeah, if you that. waste time and energy on it. And, and it's not right, then that, you know what, part of it's knowing what time is going to be wasted mm -hmm. and what time isn't, if that makes any sense. It does, it does. There, there's some, when you're building something, I can do this now, so there's no way that time is wasted. That piece is just going to be done. These other things, maybe I can't do right now, I have to figure them out, so I don't waste that time. And while you're doing the easy things, like we'll make a batch of skin for something, I, and then I'll use the skin later, but that time's not wasted. And while I'm doing that, my brain is stewing on the skeleton problem, you know. Yeah, I think so much money gets wasted on film and stuff because there's so many competing egos trying to build something. No one's really quite sure what's going. It's everyone's building, you know, they're going full steam in, in different directions. It's only really where everyone's crossing over. That's the end product. And the end product's usually quite good, but you just think how much is wasted on or pulling in different directions, whereas as a unit, you kind of know where you're trying to get, so everyone's pulling that, that same way. I don't do film. And it is frustrating as a haunted house effects artist and as a haunted house person. As soon as I show them, did you sculpt that? Yes, I sculpted that. You made that? Yes, I made that. You should do movies. Well, I'm doing what I want to do now. I'm doing haunted houses. That's what I want. My reward is immediate. I always know when my due date is. It's opening day. It's October. You know, I know when my due date is. Everything I do, I work towards that goal. That is how I can find peace in, in this craziness of mm -hmm. making things. Mm -hmm. I've always found in movies... If I bust my butt and I'm ready on time, well, the light's not ready, camera's not set, sound guy's not here, the, uh, we have to swap actors. He's a foot taller than the other guy. What are you talking about? You know, um, it's, it's that kind of, and in haunted houses, yes, we have some of those same problems. Also, in film, in my brain, and I could be wrong, you work for six months 
on something that is seen for six seconds and you'll never see it again. And you don't own it. Mm -hmm. At the haunted house, I can make a monster. It's on display. And if I want to make another one, I've got the mold sitting in the back. Or even as an artist, I, I might even own the mold. And the owner doesn't want to own the mold. I'll own the mold. And then I can sell that monster to a different haunted house. You know, just by changing it up. We have one mask design here where a company needed chupacabras. So we made them eight chupacabra costumes. I have used that same mold for a fish monster, and then I used it for another one of my shadow creatures, and just, we've done eight or nine different things with that head shape. I think it's important, because you can have a good idea about something. You don't have to run it past no. several different departments to get an okay. You can go, I know this is going to be cool, and just get on with it. Yes. No. Make, make a fin and paint it a different color. You know, My budget is smaller. My... But also my rewards are immediate. Mm -hmm. I can make a monster Friday before we open. And that's how often what I do as a director, once we open, my job's kind of done. You know, my actor trainers are working with the actors. I put on a costume and I play. And so the past couple shows, the Friday before we open, I've made a new costume for myself each time. And then I get to be that monster. And my reward, my payback for it, is that night. Whereas in film, sometimes what you do is never even released. And you can't show anybody or talk about it. Because you don't know who owns it. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's frustrating to me. As an artist, I find that very frustrating. I don't think I'm an artist first. I think I'm a haunted house guy first. Who had to be an artist to survive. I also had to learn plumbing and carpentry and every and elect, electrical in order to to survive as a haunter. You just need to. Yeah, this is what we call this our paint room, mm -hmm. and in the paint room we have a lot of paint projects and stuff up on the table, and uh, a lot of mold storage in here. And you can see a shelf over there full of pooper scoopers because I use them for so many different projects. Uh, it's, it extends the reach and makes a loud snappy noise. And, uh, you know, some head casts and things. But here's the mold room. All those are doll molds up on the top shelf. Oh, wow. I wonder where those are. Those are all from that lady's doll arms, doll legs, doll heads. Wow. Yeah. And nice. they're stone molds. They're meant for doing slip, which they would then bake to turn into a ceramic doll head. But it's a stone mold, so it takes latex just fine. So we make latex doll heads out of them. This is our mold room, we call it. There's a large creature drying on the floor. This is a flat mold system that uh, we kind of developed for a couple different monsters. This one happens to be a chupacabra, and that's the, the suit that we talked about. Um, this is a chest piece. You can see his head goes there, and then that's a little back piece. These two pieces glue together and then they attach the chest piece so it's a humped back and there's all these little nodules on it that we put little spines off of and knee pad and that goes down the shin and that covers the foot and then that wraps around right here so knee pad that wraps around so you've made all these sections flat that's incredibly convenient it doesn't take a lot of space 
And then they can be made to fit around. Yep. Genius. Yeah. And over here is his gloves. Wow. Which, uh, you know, that simple three finger design. Just uh, fun. Kind of ties him in the shack quite nicely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I don't think I've ever come across anyone where the pattern repeats a rubber bit is so utterly appropriate. It's exactly what you do. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Getting it to work yes. the way you need it to work. Only more appropriate if it was called cussing at bits of rubber, because <laughs> we have to do that a lot too. This is the chupacabra head. Well, before anything happens to it. I wanted this high crown look, like you know, and this is a three-inch acrylic sphere that we can cut these out and replace with it, and then do light-up eyes. Or uh, you could just paint these, and the actor looks out of the mouth, actually. So that's where the actor looks out of. To make this ridge work in the back, so it wasn't floppy, they only see it from this angle. So these come down far enough to rest on top of the head. Okay. That way I don't have to foam pad it. As soon as I foam pad inside of a mask, I'm adding insulation to something that's already gonna heat up. So if I can avoid that, I will. And then these nubs are to put um, backer rod on and make ears. And then we do fabric ears for those. I think it's a good thing as well, like you were saying, like you like to dress up in a costume and you wear this stuff so you know how it feels. Oh yeah. You're very, very aware of, you know, yeah, what, what will it. last the night, what won't. Yeah, and how it's going to make them feel wearing it. You know? Yeah. That's our tinny mold that I mentioned before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fiberglass bolt up, and you pour in your foam from around. And that looks durable. Of course, Johnson's paste. Yeah, it, it's got to be durable, because I bet I pulled 40 of those. And his head has no features whatsoever. So that way I can take this buck right here. Anytime I need a new mask, I will sculpt the new head for Timmy on this. Mm -hmm. And I know it's going to fit my donut. So that's why this turd golem is up here with the life casts. It's a bit like a turd golem. Um, just some flat Krampus hands. You know, probably 30 inches long. And this is what's on that big creature out there, but we've used these for a couple of creatures now. They they look like the hands from the thing that were going up and down as well. Like, yeah, they are, exactly. Up. Except, for speed, I had to get all those hands done in one day. So instead of doing a latex skin, I actually put plastic garbage bag in it, and that was my lining that kept the foam from sticking to it. Yeah. So those hands have less detail, but they, they have all the fingers and, you know, and all that. This is that fence post foam. That's how that turns out. Oh, wow. It's almost good. like floral foam, but it's super dense. And this is, uh, no, that's not how it comes. It is, I have a bunch of it somewhere. So that's it, you just mix it up. Is it coming in a can that you squirt in or you mix it, it up? It comes in a bag. Oh, I see, right. It comes, well, it comes in a bag. I don't have any here that's not but that's Ready, so but cheap for like absolutely heads it's for those. filler you know yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time we'll make um, tape bodies out of clear packing tape 
and then you cut the actor out, tape them back up, and fill them up with that foam. Because it, it's, you don't get cheaper. There's all kinds of fun stuff in here. These are uh, destined to be on a creature at some point in time. Modified crutches. So an actor can move, you know, really get up on people and, and, and extend their reach. You know, you can be in an eight foot hallway and kind of block that whole hallway, you know, or, or let them pass you. And uh, this is the Incredible Hulk hands. Yeah. Again, they were 20 bucks. Someone else already sculpted it and did the work. Let's paint them up. And they yeah. just go on the end of crutches. And you cut the crutches, add a pipe stem there. And this is very similar to what I see from the Greystoke movie that was out with uh, was that Christopher Lambert who's in there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and all the Rick yeah. Baker stuff, which was lovely, but yeah. you know, it comes at a cost. Whereas you could make up a bunch of skins. Absolutely, and... yeah. And uh, these big zip ties are on here. Just when they get taped down, that just helps shape the fur that you put on so that it keeps a animal shape. It doesn't get sucked down. Yeah, you know, just down to there. And that gives you, like you say, a very uh, big thing. It's a, you know, you could have a cloak on or whatever, and you just yeah. moving. Which is I'm, I'm all about fur. I love fur, and I love anything that makes an actor move differently. Yeah. If you can't tell it's a person, I am in love with it. You ever work with any digigrade stilts? Digigrade is like a dog's leg. Why? Where you, you know, there's the knee and then the ankle is extended. And that's super long, so since all these are firewalls, it's a good practice to keep the fire cabinets closed and the doors closed. We just pull this shut behind you. Okay. You got like Christmas trees hanging out, the little crane claw. Well, the Chris that's costume. Oh wow. The Christmas tree is a costume. So <laughs> it's hollow. You can see it's made out of bent PVC. And the back is wired to keep those bows tight. All right. And the actor just gets in behind that curtain okay. and stands in the tree, and you can pick up and chase people. Not something you'd be expecting to move, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just here past the King Kong hand is uh, my silt bay. Oh, that's fine. Reverse knee still where this mounts up onto your leg, your heel is back here, and it just helps give you a more werewolf-like look. Wow. Well, it's giving you a good uh, seven or eight inches. Uh, these give you 14 inches. Wow. 14 inches of raise. Because, you, you know, your ankle's all the way up here. Uh-huh. That's pretty impressive. Uh, you can stay on them maybe an hour and a half. And then you got to switch out with somebody else. They're, they're very taxing on you. I guess you got to train. Um, like you say, you train out with people once yes. a week. Or... And I like stilts a lot. So all those are reverse knee stilts. All those are reverse knee stilts back here on this side. They're straight stilts. There are some experiments with uh, making stilts out of different things. 
some that work and some that don't. One piece of four inch PVC cut and heat shaped to fit the calf. Shoe mounted bottom. This goes down to a reducer. Tennis ball fits in there perfect. And then this fits over, this piece of tire fits over the tennis ball. Use some grit. Amazing. It's a fairly lightweight still. Holds a lot of weight. The joy of being the boss, I don't have to put it back. I just kind of set it here. Someone else to do that. And I say, hey, yeah, go, go put that back. Someone got all your stuff out. It's terrible. <laughs> it's always easier to buy monster gloves than to make them. Because the mold wall for a hand is a bear. I have, I do a lot of gloves on plexi, where I'll put down a piece of plexiglass and just trace the hand, and I'll sculpt each half. Uh, that works pretty good, mm -hmm. but you have to drill your keys through the plexi. Right. And, you know, it works, but even that's a little more complicated than, is there $25, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy them. Yeah, you can't make them that <laughs> No. No, you cannot. If you need certain gloves for character, go right ahead. But, and that's our bin of bodies for when we need bodies. Those are some of those body forms I told you about with the tape. That's when we incredible. Were, when we were building our werewolf costumes, uh, we did all of the actors. So I had their chest, and we put like morph suits on them, and then we built up upholstery muscles and things on it. And you know, it's going to fit them when it fits them perfect. Up. For the show, this is our camera room where we have. 90 some cameras inside and they're all on one system and it allows us to see customers going through make sure the actors are doing exactly what we want them to be doing so wow so we have these two massive monitors what are these like sort of 50 inch monitors <laughs> yeah they, they're they're pretty big i wish i had ones. one of these at my house i don't have yeah, my tv this big at my house there's one more over there, and that those are just set up for getting scare footage. Uh -huh. These are more for security and for watching actors, and that's more for scare footage. Okay. But I can watch my parking lot and see, you know, all right, I see a rush of cars coming into the parking lot. Get ready, ticket booth. Ticket booth, you know, add an extra person. You're about to get backed up. Um, and then when they're in the show, you know, we've got a bottleneck here. Make sure those actors are scaring forward and, and all of... All of that we can watch happen from in here. You know, everyone we can zoom in and move and tilt and all that. It, it, I don't know when our lawn people are coming, but I will see them on the cameras because I get a notification if certain cameras are, are you know, picking up movement that isn't normal. And uh, then we can go out and scare them. We scare our lawn guys a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's like a game. The lawn, if you do the trim the bushes, oh, mow the lawn. Guys. Oh, yeah. 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 Don't, you can That's a free. <laughs> scare the guy with the leaf blower. Yeah. Don't scare the guy with the weed whacker because he'll chase you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Dark Hour. Pretty impressive, I have to say. Thank you very uh, much. It's a, it's a fun place to work every day, that's for sure. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Alan. I really appreciate that. Fantastic. No problem. Thanks for coming out. 
Okay, thanks for listening. Uh, do remember you can get in touch with us direct at stuartandtodd at gmail.com and uh, check us out on Facebook. Just look for Battles with Bits of Rubber and also our back catalogue of podcasts. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and all the other places that you would find podcasts. So just look us up. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.